Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Well, what can I say? The Australian Open final was just incredible. Probably in my top uh, couple of matches that I've ever seen, whether in person or on TV, just an amazing finish uh, to the tournament. And I mean, what can be said about Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal together? Just to to have them in our sport, I think we're we're so blessed to have players like that, to have athletes and, and people like that compete in our sport is just incredible. They're both just great champions and great sportsmen. Uh, and it was just a pleasure to watch them both compete and to watch them both talk to the crowd after the match as well. is just very humbling and uh, very touching too, to see how badly Roger wanted that tournament. Obviously that was a big match for both of them. And I felt bad for Roger that he didn't, didn't end up tying the record with that match. But I'm also happy for Rafael Nadal as well. I think that he earned it. He definitely outplayed Roger, and uh, he deserves the uh, he deserves the trophy for sure. Well, during the tournament, uh, I had a contest going in the chat room, and to enter, users or members had to go to the chat room during either the men's or the women's final, and and talk. And we had a great time chatting during both of the finals, uh, live by the way, which uh, takes some dedication for sure to get up that early. And I'd like to announce the winner, the winner of the uh, tournament, uh, I'm sorry, not the tournament, the winner of the competition, uh, the drawing is Fight Fan, John, on the message boards. And John, you win five free sets of Gamma TNT. So great job. Thanks for coming out and participating during the Australian Open Finals. Well, today on the podcast, we're going to be discussing two different topics One having to do with better anticipating on the return of serve and hitting a better return in general. And we're also going to talk about missing your serve lawn. So sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. And now it's time for Essential Tennis Q&A. All right, let's get going on today's first topic, which is going to have to do with returning serve. We did a whole show not too long ago just on the serve and how to improve your serve technique and your serve in general. And I made a big deal out of that show because the serve is the most important shot in tennis. Well, the second most important shot in tennis is the return of serve. If you can't make your serve or your return, then tennis is going to be pretty tough. You're going to be struggling. So they're two very, very important shots, obviously, and definitely worth going over on how to improve I believe this is the first time that uh, the return of serve is going to be a specific topic here on the show. I'm looking forward to to covering this. This question comes to us from Charles on the forums at EssentialTennis.com. He wrote, and this was his question. I was just playing some doubles in the cold last night when I came to the realization that my return of serve is awful. The reason, I believe, is my lack of anticipation. If you tell me that your serve is coming to my forehand, then maybe I can adjust and hit it, but otherwise, I feel I let the ball come way too close to me before I even react. This is particularly noticeable when the person faults and I haven't even moved an inch yet. If 
by that I mean, if it had gone in, uh, I would have been late trying to rush my shot. So, and I know exactly what you're talking about, Charles. The uh, the serve goes into the nets, or maybe it goes wide. You call it out, and then you think, "Well, wait a second. If that was in, uh, I would I would not have had an easy time with that because you hadn't even started moving yet." So it's definitely a problem. He continues and says, "The return of serve is one of those shots that." It is really hard to practice on your own, and even with a partner, it's rarely practiced. Any suggestions on how to improve anticipation of the direction of the serve, and then how to deal with getting jammed or being sent out wide? I'm talking about pokey serves, too. I should have enough time to do what I want to do, whatever that is, in terms of footwork, etc., but I find myself late reacting. And then just one more thought here by Charles. The serves I see fall into two categories. Either they are so short and so soft that I feel like I'm dealing with a drop shot, or they are somewhat into my body. I'm rarely stretched out wide, and I feel a bit jammed and uncertain about what to do. That certainly leads to preparing way too late. Okay, Charles, well, good topic and good question, and we're going to talk about improving your anticipation first. Uh, we're going to talk about two main topics. The first one having to do with with reading the serve, the oncoming serve, and improving your anticipation. And we're also going to talk about dealing with a serve that jams you, that comes right at you. Both are very common things that the recreational player needs to improve on. So we're going to spend some time here talking about that. First of all, improving anticipation. I'm going to give Charles and the rest of you guys three main topics here, things that you can do to improve your anticipation of the serve and improve your reaction to the serve and make your return more effective. First of all, the number one thing you can do to improve your anticipation is to pay close attention to your opponent's tendencies and patterns. And this is extremely, extremely important. And something that you mentioned during your question, Charles, should not be happening at all. You talked about uh, a player that you're you're playing against that has a very weak serve, maybe it's their their second serve, or maybe both serves, and the the ball is not coming very fast. That's very typical at a at a three point level or so, which is around where where Charles is with his game. You should not be struggling to get to that ball more than once or maybe twice in a match that you're playing against this opponent. The very first time that happens, you need to make a strong mental note of it. Uh, the first time you're rushed by a weak serve, you need to you need to make a, a note in your head and say, "Listen, this this just caught me off guard. It was weak. I had to run up for it. Uh, I obviously should have no problem hitting this shot back because it's a it's a weak shot." But the very first time you struggle getting to it, you need to adjust uh, the, the next time that your opponent gets set to hit that shot. The things you should be watching for, as far as tendencies and patterns, are the spin that they put on the serve. Maybe they have a top spin or or a slice serve. The pace that they put on the ball, how hard or hard or how soft that they hit the ball, placements, uh, meaning they go towards your body or towards your backhand or towards your forehand, and also depth. Is it very short or is it deeper? Is it is it right next to the service line most of the time? Not only do we have those four main things to look for, but there's going to be variations in those different uh, things, both in first and second serves. Their first serve maybe uh, maybe has no spin and a lot of pace. They tend to hit it to your forehand side and it's deep. That could be one example using all four of those variables. Their second serve, maybe it's got a bunch of slice on it. It's not very fast and they tend to hit towards your backhand and it's shorter. 
So these are the things you need to watch very closely. And some players could just kind of do this naturally without being reminded uh, and, and make adjustments, and other players don't. Also on the add side and the do side, they're probably going to have different tendencies depending on if it's a first serve, a second serve, or add side or do side, etc. Pay close attention to this. After the second or third service game, there's really no excuse for being surprised by any serve that they hit if you are paying close attention and making adjustments accordingly. So the very first time you get surprised by a serve or get jammed by a serve or it drops short and you have a hard time getting to it, you need to make an adjustment the next time that that situation comes up. Uh, very commonly at a 3.0 or, or even all the way up to a 3.5 or 4.0 level, players are not going to vary what they do with their serve. It's going to be pretty much the same every time. It's not until you get up to about a 4.5 level or so that players are really able to mix up what they do and try to keep you off balance. But Charles, at your level, you need to really pay close attention. That's my number one tip for you for improving your anticipation. Pay close attention. Secondly, use a split step. Split step is extremely, extremely important to returning serve effectively. Uh, split step is a movement with your feet to get your body in a balanced, ready position so that you're ready to move in any direction. If you stand there flat-footed and just watch your opponent hit the ball and watch the ball come towards you before you move your feet at all, yes, you are not going to be very effective in moving towards the ball and getting set up for a stroke. And that's when you're going to start getting jammed quite a bit. Uh, timing is the most important thing in your split step. You want to make that kind of kind of hop up and, and drop onto your toes. You want to land on your toes as your opponent makes contact with their serve, not before and not after. You want to be prepared to move immediately as they make contact so that as soon as you identify where it's going, you're on your toes and you're ready to get going right away. So make sure that you time your split step with the hit of the ball. Again, you want to be on the balls of your feet with your weight slightly leaning forwards up on your toes right as they make contact. If you're not sure about the split step, I'm not going to go into any more detail than that, but I have a blog post uh, on EssentialTennis.com talking about using the split step specifically in the return of serve. And lastly, on the uh, split step, you can add several steps in before the split step as well. I do this, and a lot of pros uh, on TV do this as well. You'll see them start several steps behind where they're actually going to make their split step, and then as their opponent starts to get ready, they approach the uh, the baseline, they make their toss, you'll see the returning player make one or two steps forwards into their split step. So there'll be a one, two steps, and then up, split step, and then they're ready to return serve as soon as contact is made. So there's two practical things you can do to improve your return of serve. Pay close attention to your opponent and their tendencies and also, if you're not already using a split step during the return of serve, you've, you have to do it. Guys, if you're not using a split step already, start doing it now. It's going to make you a better player and a, a better return of server for sure. Now, thirdly here, as far as improving anticipation, we're going to talk about practice. You need to practice this as well. Charles said that, yes, clearly it's very difficult to practice your return of serve by yourself. Uh, you could do it with a ball machine. Um, but even that is it's just not the same thing. You really do need a partner. So grab a partner and get out and practice this. If you do have a partner, there's no excuse. You should be practicing this because it's an extremely important shot to your game. Now, when you do get out there with a partner and you start to practice this shot, 
I highly recommend, as always, that you have a specific target, both for the server and for yourself, at least at first. Uh, I'm going to talk about this briefly. Uh, So uh, as an example, have your partner who's serving aim for your forehand side. Let's say you're on the deuce side of the court, you're a right-handed player, so your opponent is aiming out wide to your, your forehand side, and give yourself a specific target to aim for. Charles, you said you were playing doubles in this specific uh, circumstance, so pr- you need to practice hitting cross-court returns of serve. So put out a target, put out a, a ball pyramid or a cone if you have one, and aim for it. And keep on going until your partner hits their target, meaning your uh, forehand side of the box, and you hit your target cross-court and in play, obviously. Give yourself a specific target to aim for, and keep going until you guys, as a team, make both those shots together, let's say five times. So the server makes their, hits their target, the returner hits their target, okay, that's one. Do that five times. Then have the server aim to the backhand side. And again, practice hitting cross-court returns. Do that five times where both shots get made. You could also, uh, for the sake of practicing reading the serve, have them mix it up. And don't have them tell you where they're going to aim. And you could have a specific target as they serve to both sides as well. Lastly here, as far as practice is concerned, you can do this in a modified way as well. By having the server move up close to uh, close to the net as opposed to on the baseline and have them stand right around the service line, maybe a little bit behind the service line, and hit serves to you. That way your reaction time is cut way down and you have to read the serve and make your play on the ball much more quickly. I did this drill quite a bit in high school, and we did it, did it in college as well during practices, and it really helps you increase your reaction time, how quickly you're able to, to make a play at the ball, because you have about half the amount of time to actually react. Uh, obviously, you need a partner here who's relatively controlled with their serve, and uh, it's kind of nice for the server as well, because they don't have to be back there on the baseline going all out on their serve for half an hour or 45 minutes while you practice your return. They can stand around the service line and kind of take like a half half speed or maybe three-quarter speed service motion, and you can get good practice practicing reacting to the serve and, and making a play at the ball. Uh, it's, it's amazing after doing this drill, when, when your partner then backs up to the baseline, how much time it seems like you have. Uh, obviously, compared to when they're on the service line, you have a lot more time, and it just makes it seem that much more easy. But you can practice your, your steps and your split step as they get ready to serve, and then practice reading the serve and making a quick move towards the ball. Okay, now to finish up Charles's answer, we're going to talk about dealing with a serve that jams you, that comes right towards your body, and this is a tough shot, no doubt. Uh, whether you're on the on the baseline hitting a regular ground stroke, or whether you're hitting a volley at the net, or or a return of serve, this is a tough shot, and it's important to know how to deal with this. Uh, my first point I'm going to make, Charles, in, in talking about dealing with a, a body serve are two things that we already talked about. I'm just going to reiterate. First of all, split step, split step, split step. You need to use it. You have to. Uh, if you don't, you're going to get caught being literally flat-footed all the time on the return of serve or, or any other shots. It's extremely important that you get up on your toes and you literally get your feet moving before the serve is hit or uh, technically as the serve is hit uh, in the split-step case so that you are prepared to continue moving your feet and get out of the way of the ball. If you literally just stand there and watch your opponent hit their serve, 
you're going to be in trouble more times than not compared to if you do split step. You, you got to get yourself moving so that you're ready to get out of the way. And secondly, I just wanted to reiterate another one of the points I made earlier. Pay attention to their tendencies. If, uh, if you're playing against a 3.0 or a 3.5 of a player, they're probably going to be pretty predictable, and you need to start making adjustments if you're having problems getting a serve hit to a certain spot. Now, that being said, when the ball does come at your body, yes, there are technical things that you should be doing in order to best deal with this shot. First of all, pick your stronger side that you want to hit the, sh that you want to hit the actual return with. It, when it's coming right at you, it's more or less 50-50 which side you can go to. You can, you can take a forehand or a backhand. Pick your stronger side so that you have some more confidence in making the swing as you turn to that side and try to make the stroke. Secondly, from your ready position, uh, after you've made your split step, you're in, you're in a ready position, and now we actually need to make a move to turn to that side. Let's say that you're uh, going to hit a forehand ground stroke, a, a return of serve, off the serve that your opponent just hit to you. The first thing you want to do technically is from your ready position, make a unit turn to that side, taking your foot back. So what I mean by that is from a ready position, which means your, your feet are, are wider than shoulder width apart, your, both your hands are in front and on the racket, um, and your weight is on your toes, from there I want you to take your, uh, your ready position and basically just transpose it to the side. Take your entire core and your stance and shift it to the right. So we're going to take your, your entire body and rotate as, as a whole to the right. Um, this gets your body turned to the side, obviously, so that you're ready to make a swing at the ball. And it's very important that you get your right foot and bring it back behind you as you rotate so that your stance gets turned as well. It's very important that you get your body in this position, not only so that you can make a swing at the ball, having rotated your body to the side, but also so that you can move yourself effectively. When you take your right foot and your right hand uh, and your core and you take the whole thing back together, now you can move yourself using little steps with your feet back and forth, which, which moves your body right to left. And so you can get your body out of the way of the oncoming ball. If you keep your feet in, a, in, a, in an open stance with your toes pointed towards the net, um, you can shuffle to the side, but it's, it's a lot tougher and not quite as kind of active as a movement is turning yourself to the side and taking a bunch of little steps back to run around the ball and get to the side of the ball. This is what you see the pros do most often when they have to really move out of the way is they'll take their, their uh, foot of whichever side they're moving back to. If it's a backhand, they'll take their left foot, bring it back. If they are going to hit a forehand, they'll take their right foot and bring it back. And they'll, then they'll take a bunch of little steps and, and move their, their body out of the way of the oncoming ball so that they can make a swing. Uh, the first person to really make this popular or to, to really do this well was Andre Agassi. And you would see him just make a, a move just with his core, rotate to the side, and then just swing back forwards again. This is why his return of serve was so good, was he was great at just making a unit turn with his body, with his core, and then, he bam, he was ready to make his swing towards the ball. Uh, what you did not see him do was take his take his racket out of his opposite hand and swing it up and then back and have a big loop in his backswing and, and make his swing towards the ball. Uh, he got his core rotated, and then from that position, he just dropped and swung at the ball. There's, there's no big backswing needed, especially when you have a server with a, a relatively good serve who's giving you pace already. So, Charles, that's my... 
uh, that's my best advice to you as far as actually getting out of the way of the ball physically. You need to split step, get your core turned to the side, make sure your, your foot comes back so that you can move quickly, take a bunch of little steps, get out of the way of the ball, and then you can go ahead and make a comfortable swing. Obviously, uh, there were several topics uh, in in there that came up several times. The split step is huge. Paying close attention to your opponent, their tendencies, that's huge. As far as technique is concerned, get turned to the side, move out of the way, make your swing. Hopefully that's helpful to you, Charles. Thanks very much for taking the time to write that question. And let me know if I can help you any further with that. Okay, second up today, we're going to be talking about the serve, and we have a question here from Brian on the forums. He wrote to me and said, I have recently changed my service grip so that my hand is lower on the grip. My pinky finger wraps around the very bottom of the butt cap. The problem is that my first service is now sailing lawn almost every time. This gives me much better pop and pace on the ball, but I usually miss lawn. Now I have to go back and forth between grip placement depending on whether or not I'm hitting a first or second serve. This is a big problem because it puts lots of pressure on me during a match to hold my serve. I used to be able to hold serve easily. Now I'm in hot water. Help. Well, sure, Brian. And I I remember uh, discussing this briefly. I don't remember in which podcast, but I did talk about using this grip specifically. And most upper-level players do grip the racket all the way down at the bottom of the grip during their serve. And pretty much exactly what you're talking about, uh, the pinky right along the bottom edge of the grip, not, not actually off the grip, but all the way down at the bottom, uh, all, all the way down at the bottom edge. This gives you more power because you're achieving more leverage with the racket as opposed to choking up. When you choke up on the racket, it can actually feel like it's easier to accelerate the racket, and that's because it is. There's not as much leverage between your hand and the racket face, so it's easier to actually accelerate the racket. But as compared with bringing your hand down to the bottom of the grip, you're not going to ultimately get as much out of your swing because you don't have as much leverage between your shoulder and your hand and the racket face. So the grip that you're using, Brian, currently, uh, after making that change, I think is better. And it's going to be worth your while to practice this and get good at making the adjust- adjustments necessary to actually make the serve. So let's talk about it. Well, first of all, what causes the serve to go on? Assuming the fundamental parts of, of the rest of your motion are, are pretty good, when a, when a serve travels along, it means that the racket face is too open at contact, meaning that your strings are facing slightly up towards the sky. Uh, the serve is an upwards motion towards the ball, And when you hit a serve aggressively and the face is open at all at the point of contact, the ball will travel too far. This is just like on a ground stroke. We're making an upward motion, an upward swing towards the ball because we need to clear the net in order to get the ball to the other side. There's a a big misconception among lower-level players that a serve is a downwards hit, that we're kind of like trying to spike the ball into the box and that is, we, nothing could be further from the truth than that. We're making an upward swing towards the ball, just like on a ground stroke to clear the net and get the ball to go over and then fall into the other side of the court. 
So uh, with that in mind, if the racket face is not flat at contact, meaning perpendicular to the court surface, if we make an upward swing at the ball, and especially if we're accelerating and trying to hit it relatively aggressively, if we make that upward swing as we're supposed to and the racket face is facing upwards at all, it's going to fly too far. We're going to have too much distance and it's going to go long. So what we need to do, Brian, is is not switch your grip, which which is fixing your problem. It's allowing you to get your racket face flatter. Uh, when, when you choke up a little bit, it's allowing you to rotate the racket more freely and get the racket face flat, as opposed to when you move your your hand down towards the bottom of, of the gra- of the racket, which is a better grip, but you're having problems getting your racket face turned all the way to get it flat at the uh, at the top of your swing. So how do we get the racket face flatter? is the question. Assuming that you keep your grip down at the bottom where you've been experimenting with, well, I've got three things here that you can try in order to get your racket face a little bit flatter. And then I have a a practice drill for you to do as well to uh, actually practice making this happen. So to get your, your strings perpendicular at contact, first of all, make sure that you're very relaxed and loose during your swing. Allow the racket to rotate freely at the top of your swing and really just allow it to move freely throughout your entire swing. It's a very, very common mistake from lower level players up through probably 4.0 or so that people just in general are too tense. But on the service motion especially, if you're not very relaxed, the racket just cannot move freely. And it takes a lot more work to swing the racket, first of all. And second of all, the mechanics of your swing are just not going to work together as well. And in order to let the racket face close up up at the top of your swing, it's important that from the shoulder down, you're very relaxed and loose to allow the racket to turn and get flat up at the top of your swing. If you have any tension going on in there, a lot of times that inhibits the racket's movement and the racket face will be open at contact. That's number one. Number two, toss out in front of you a little bit more. Uh, If you make contact behind you at all, it makes it almost impossible to get the racket face flat at contact. Uh, Your your toss on a first serve, if if you're trying to hit a flat serve, should be a, a little bit out in front of you, a little bit in front of the baseline, and a little bit to the right of your stance so that you can rotate forwards with your core and reach up over your right shoulder and make contact directly over your right shoulder and out in front of your body. You should be transferring forwards into the court. If you toss behind you or over you, uh, it becomes very difficult to get the racket face flat as opposed to in front of you. In front of you, you can reach up and get the racket face perpendicular to the court much more easily. So make sure that your toss is in front of you enough to let your racket rotate enough to get it flat at the point of contact. That's number two. Try tossing a little bit in front of you, a little bit more. Uh, Number three, Try tossing it a little bit higher to give yourself a little bit more time if you feel rushed. If uh, after you've choked down all the way on the grip, you feel that your, your toss isn't high enough because you feel rushed after you put the ball up and you don't feel like you have enough time to get through your whole motion uh, with enough time to actually uh, make contact at the top of your swing nice and high, try tossing a little bit higher as well to give yourself a little more time to actually make your, your full swing. Uh, this I would look at probably last as compared to being relaxed and tossing a little bit farther in front. Um, you can try giving yourself a little more time by tossing higher as well. Uh, it's very possible that it was too low before because you were choked up on the racket. 
And Brian and I actually uh, exchanged messages back and forth. He he only choked down to the to the his current position about a half an inch or so. So, so uh, I would guess toss probably isn't an issue as far as height is concerned, but certainly feel free to give that a, a try as well. I would experiment with tossing in front of you a little bit more first. And if that doesn't fix the problem, try giving yourself a little bit more height as well. Now, I have a practice drill for you as well, Brian. This is something I have my students try often when they're first getting over to a continental grip and learning how to pronate. Uh, make a normal toss and go through your, your motion as normal, every, everything the way you normally would do it uh, from the baseline. But instead of just trying to aim for the box, try bouncing the ball over the net. So make a, a normal service toss, go through your motion as normal. But rather than try to hit it over the net into the box, we're going to let your arm really relax and kind of exaggerate closing the racket face so that we're actually bouncing the ball down into our own side of the court and then having it bounce over the, over the net over to the other side of the court. This is obviously a really exaggerated motion. I find that very often when people have a hard time getting a feel for a certain part of their swing, having them exaggerate it a couple of times really kind of gets them the, the physical feeling of, of what it should feel like. So go through, and usually it takes people five or ten tries before they can do it the first time. Uh, but we're, we're trying to really over-close and, and pronate and get the racket face facing down, obviously much more than it should be, so that the ball actually bounces over the net. And after you've done that successfully a handful of times, uh, go ahead and serve normally again, and this time aim for the box. And keep your hand nice and loose and relaxed, just like it was when you bounced the ball over the net, and swing upwards nice and confidently to, to now get it over the net and have it stay into the box. So, Brian, that, hopefully that answers your question, and that gives you a couple of things to work on here. Just remember, anytime you miss that serve lawn, it's because your racket face was too open. And there could be multiple reasons why that was actually occurring. Hopefully I gave you uh, enough things to think about and try that we can really figure out what the problem is and you can start making some more of these serves. But let me encourage you to keep your grip there down at the bottom of the handle. That's going to give you more leverage and in the long run, it's going to be a better serve uh, for having your hand down there a little bit farther on the grip. Thanks, Brian, and hopefully that's helpful to you. All right, that brings the Essential Tennis Podcast, episode number 51, to a close. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I appreciate your support of the podcast by downloading the file and by, by listening to it. Those of you who also participate on the website, special thank you to you as well. If the podcast has helped you, if it has helped you improve your game, do me a favor and just tell somebody about it, somebody that you practice with, or maybe if you're on a USTA team or league uh, word of mouth is the, the best way that the show can continue to grow. And if you could do that, I'd, I would really appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks again. And I hope you guys really enjoyed the Australian Open uh, as much as I did. I can't wait for the next couple tournaments coming up. And um, I, seeing how the rest of the year shapes out is going to be very exciting. All right. That's all for today. Take care, everybody. And good luck with your tennis.